on my command. you want to reign in hell i will not let them die we've come to reclaim what you took they shall not have this The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and this is episode number 260, and we will be reviewing Doctor Who Flux Part 3, Once Upon Time. And who are we? Well, let's start this week with Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you, my friend? Oh, man, I'm doing pretty good. Glad to be back talking about Doctor Who with y'all. So, yeah. Ready, ready for it, man. Ready to dive in. Awesome. Well, as always, glad to have you here. And the more I think about it, the more I want to say, welcome back, Mr. Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? Uh, very well indeed. And I hope y'all are the same. It's uh, it's exciting, isn't it, to to get to get together and talk about new episodes of Doctor Who. It's, it's it seems like it's been a long, long time because it has. Yes, and I'm curious, and I'm very, 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 very curious as to what you guys thought, because we've had some positivity going into this series of Doctor Who Flux, and I'm curious to see if it continues. But before we get into that, I want to give a shout out to our friend Sarah Warren. She is watching a week behind, she says, but she's enjoying the story. And she gave some further commenting, but I'm going to leave it as a spoiler for everyone listening. If you like to hear what our comments are that we're not sharing and you want to join in on the conversation yourself, if you use Discord, you can find us on Discord at discord.discussingnetwork.com or look up Discussing Network on your Discord app. And also for everyone listening, if you're listening to us for the very first time, please subscribe to the show. That helps us with whatever podcaster you're listening to. It helps us get discovered. But particularly, if you are using Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, leave us a rating. This does help with the Apple algorithm. And Lee Shackelford, there is something that you like to tell people who are listening to us, whether it's the first time or whether they've been with us from the very beginning. And what is that? Thank you. You you didn't have to be doing this. You've got other things you could be doing, but you've chosen to spend some time with us. And uh, we'll try to repay the favor by keeping you entertained. So away we go. And speaking of keeping us entertained... I don't want to let out anything else because it might be a spoiler. So I think it's important at this point for me to say, if you have not seen Once Upon Time Part 3 of Doctor Who Flux, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? Well, spoilers. And I killed Sparky, too. 
All righty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Once Upon Time. As I've said, this is the third in a six-part story collectively known as Doctor Who Flux. It first aired on the 14th of November, 2021. It starred Joe Martin and Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, Mandip Gill as Yasmin Khan, John Bishop as Dan Lewis, and Jacob Anderson as Vendor. In case I wasn't clear previously, it features the triumphant return of Joe Martin as the Doctor. Summary view, Clarence Brown. As the fugitive doctor. As the fugitive doctor. Mm. Yes, I'm happy with fugitive. I'm happy with the Ruth doctor. I'm just happy with Joe Martin as the doctor doctor. Summary view. And you know what, Lee, now I'm going to start with you. Summary view. What say ye? I thought this was a great deal of fun. I, I can't pretend like I understand all of it, but I am treating it like it's the third part of a six-part series, which it is. So I don't expect that I'm going to understand everything. But it is interesting to note, just sort of structurally, from a screenwriting point of view, we're at the halfway mark here. And we can't introduce any more new characters at this point. <laughs> so all I can think is, from here, we're going to start unpacking some of these things. But very interesting to get so much of Vendor's backstory here. So um, those are some questions being answered. A lot of fun. So what about you, Mr. Brown? I don't think I enjoyed it as much. In fact, uh, I felt the pacing of this episode just really threw me off. Now, to your point, we did get a bunch of good backstory. We did a we did a great exploration of the Speed Force. Uh, I feel in this episode, uh, eat your heart out, Zack Snyder. Um, but, but, yeah, it did feel speed forced, didn't it? <laughs> very much so. And I always said this, but one of the things I really don't like in television is when we're in someone's head. And that's where I kind of felt like we were in a lot of this, even though it wasn't. We actually saw it on screen, but it just, I don't know. I didn't like it. And I also feel like some of the things we get in this episode are a result of the pandemic, possibly seeing that actors play different characters. Maybe not, but it just felt like it was too, it, it didn't feel right to see these visions and see our people play these characters. Maybe it's going to make sense, more sense in the next episode, but I just didn't really like them being avatars in this situation. I'm curious. I'm going to hold my thought real quick because you brought up a very good point. And I do know that from what I've read, that some of the way this story was structured is exactly what you just said. It is structured due to the pandemic. And that said, Lee, do you agree? Do you think this, you know, having the our companions playing these characters was a result of the pandemic and social distancing, or do you think that was a story point? I had not even thought about it as anything other than as a story point, but uh, it's an interesting possibility that, that maybe the original concept was that this is going to be other people. And uh, we had to boil that down to having our, our quartet play all the roles. But, but I really do think there's a reason why, they are existing in multiple timelines, uh, one of which has, 
our quartet as soldiers, of which the doctor is a commander who uh, has this troubling tendency to shift out of time and not know where she is. I I, I, I think I, I was getting annoyed with the, the shifting back and forth between um, the roles that they're playing. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think you hit on something, Clarence. I think minus maybe the doctor and the fugitive doctor initially looking like Jodie Whittaker's 13th doctor. I think it should have shifted to have been the fugitive doctor from that point forward. I, I think that would have been cool to have seen her because you 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 know it's the same person. So I wish they would have done that. But I really think you hit on something with your comment about the original concept may have been other actors in the role. I think that would have been enriching personally if you would have seen the other yeah. people as, as opposed to our quartet. Well, we also got the linkage between Dan and Kavanista in this mm, yeah. a bit in this a bit. Uh, with the soldiers as well. And even the do- doctor asks, who are you guys? She wants to know who the rest of these soldiers are. So there could be a, 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 a something coming on that, that maybe these people are somebody from the doctor's past that we all know. Mm. All right. So for my thought, first off, I'm going to talk about the two of you. Thank you so much for me being right, because I thought Lee would enjoy it and Clarence would not. (laughs) And I am so happy that you guys proved me wrong. I mean, right. Excuse me. You didn't prove me wrong. You proved me. See, my brain is in flux because I'm so happy that you proved me right, because I really thought Clarence when it got into the people's head I was like Clarence isn't gonna like this and for some reason Lee I just thought you would not necessarily the being in people's head but I thought you would so thank you both for that and as soon as I saw Joe Martin on the screen I was like grinning from ear to ear like so happy and that made the episode for me so really and truly it didn't care what else happened for the most part in the episode I was happy to see her, so I really enjoyed it. So that's my summary view. But I want to take us back into the doctor's head, since we've just been talking about being in the doctor's head. And I'll come in on this first and give my opinion. You know, we've seen the doctor do all of these things really, really quick and get people out of situations really, really quick. I really, really liked the fact that we open with the doctor's thought process of, let me evaluate, here's what's going on, how am I going to get out of this, what are the possibilities, what can I do, blah, 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 and blah. And maybe it's because I'm ADD and my brain is going 20 times 20 times 20 all at one time. Maybe that's why I liked it. But I really liked that. What did you guys think? Yeah, the same way. I have always wondered what the doctor's thought process was at, at times like this, and uh, and we it was I enjoyed getting uh, allowed in. I, I thought that was uh, terrific. Now, Clarence, if we would have only have seen that and nothing else inside people's heads, so to speak, what did you think of just the, that scene? Did you like it? Or if you didn't, that's great. But what did you think? I mean, which part are you talking about when she first? 
enters the time stream? Or? No, at the very beginning where she's going through, how are we going to get out of yeah. this? So, yeah, I guess that is what so, you're saying. So, yeah, that, that's kind of the part of the problem I had with the episode. So, of course, I liked her explaining it. It felt very Matt Smith of her being frantic and kind of just blurting out what's on her head or what she's going to do. I did really appreciate that. But by the same token, I also felt like we had this whole other part of the episode that we had to get into that was really disjointed until the end. And to me, I wanted them to devote more time into making all of the uh, Astropos parts make more sense <laughs> instead of kind of jumping back and forth, because I f really feel like we could have devoted a bit more time to where. It's frantic, it's exciting, but it is kind of confusing and makes <laughs> um it's it goes at a very rapid rip, very rapid pace at the very beginning, and then you just end there. So I just wanted more time to devote to a little explanation there. All right. So the majority of what I'm going to do from this point forward, and I know I ask questions anyway, but since we are Three parts, as Lee said, we're three parts in to a six-part story. There's nothing that we can do. We don't have the answers, so we can't really dissect what the answers are. But what I think we can do are pose some theories of what we've seen, and I do have some questions that I have to ask. So my first questions are my first part, my first question of my questions. Clarence, I want to point to you. Why do you think the weeping angels seem to be targeting Yaz? Well, I thought they were targeting Yaz at first, but then it seemed by the end they kind of pivoted to the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I'm thinking, I mean, well, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I'm thinking this whole time being corrupted while we see it's affecting the doctor, it may also be affecting this other time traveling race, which are the um, the angels. So it could all be interlinked some way. And that might be maybe why they're reaching out to Yaz slash the doctor by way of the TARDIS <laughs> to get to the TARDIS. All right. Lee, what do you think? Wow. Um, I hadn't thought about it much at all, but, but Clarence has posed a really intriguing possibility there that that as much as we uh, can hate and fear them uh, if there's a, a storm that's tearing time apart then the weeping angels will be in real distress because that's where they live too so yeah they're they're in trouble and interesting here's i'm going to put a spin on that even further the angels feed off of time that is how they mm -hmm. feed. So right. if, if, if there it goes is away. no time, exactly, yeah. no time, no food. Right. I mean, so we're looking at the angels going into this next story, which we will see Claire again from the first episode that we saw. Uh -huh. <clears throat> Perhaps the angels, the enemy of my enemy <laughs> is my friend, for lack right. of a better term. That's right. Perhaps. Mm, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you'll have to take back everything you've said about Chris Chibnall. If he spins this, the weeping angels so that we feel sorry for them. <laughs> but how cool would that be? It's fantastic. Seriously, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And furthermore, we get in this exposition from this character we're going to talk about later, but we get all this information about these other enemies of the doctors who are thriving post flux. But mm. where's the um, the angel sector of space? <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't talk about that, right. did we? So interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Everybody's taken over the universe with them. Very interesting. Now, here is something else while we're talking angels here. <laughs> there is some speculation that I've seen online, and I want to know what you guys think about this theory. The weeping angels are connected to time that we've seen. Time runs through the Morai. Could it be possibly that the Morai and the weeping angels are connected in some way maybe they're anti-morai or maybe they're what happens to a morai when it dies i don't know but what do you think about that so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 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 i i very much felt a minority report sense from the morai um aka our precogs who sit on this pedestal and and change the course of the future or history because they can see things that are coming and we can treat the way we live differently. And I, it's it. I'm, I'm sure we're going to hear more, but I kind of think that maybe what's our two crystal aliens. I keep forgetting the Ravagers. What's the, two? the Ravagers? They are uh swarm and Azure. I, I kind of feel like that maybe they were sort of kind of maybe the good guys in the beginning. So why do we call the Time Lords Time Lords? Can we answer that? Is it because they can regenerate inf infinitely? Well, 13 times, 12 times. Or is it because they can travel in time? Which came first? How did they become to be Time Lords? And it was hinted in the classic series that they're, they're the only ones. To begin with, they're the, they were the only one who called themselves Time Lords. You know, So that's a name they came up with, and it sounds like it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, did the regeneration thing or the ability to travel through time come first? Well, I remember from the Timeless Child where they're telling about the great destroyer of children's lives named Tictaeum, whenever they were telling her story of, uh, you know, how she did the experimentation and then they built this civilization. So mm. my understanding or my assumption from that is that she gave them the ability to regenerate and from that they built the time lord society and i would assume developed the ability to travel through time hence she wasn't traveling through time in a tardis when she went and found the child so they acquired that ability or they developed well, they, they acquired the ability to regenerate, and then they maybe discovered or found or made the ability to travel through time. Is, that's how I interpreted it. Okay, let, let, me, let me follow that up with another question. Why is the fugitive doctor called the fugitive doctor? She was in, obviously in the episode, The Fugitive of the Jadoon, a couple of seasons back. So that's why we're calling her fugitive or... 
Is she fugitive for some other reason? Did she have to do something to get back into the good graces of the Time Lords? Something that she didn't want to do that was may have been forced to do. Okay. I have a theory, but Lee, what do you think? Um, it's all too deep for me. I need to put on my reading <laughs> boots. Um, okay. I, because I, what is it that I'm getting hung up on? Um, well, the timeless child timeline, that's, I, I will go back to my defense that that is a story being told to the doctor by the master. So mm-hmm. I don't believe it. So there's that. But, um, the other thing is that, uh, I forgot what the other thing was anyway. Um, okay. So, yeah. Oh, the, uh, the division. That's what it was. We also keep referencing again, the division, which was, which was, yeah. uh, something that was, uh, revealed to us and it may or may not be true, <laughs> real. We don't know. So it's section 31. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want it to be. So I'm, yeah, kind of <laughs> crossing my fingers about that. But anyway. Mm. So to my thought on the answer to your question, Clarence, is it's a little bit meta and it's a little bit in story. Meta being, yes, it's the fugitive doctor. Yes, that's what fans were already calling her other than the Ruth doctor. So they just basically canonized, well, make her a fugitive. But we do know from the story that the doctor was a fugitive. And it, and they make reference of you finish this mission and you, yep. you know you're it, you're free it's over so I'm thinking something in that mission or something after she rebelled against and went and wiped her own memory. Mm. Hopefully we get answers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to sidetrack us completely. <laughs> no, 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 that, no, no because part of the conversation. That is exactly, yeah. and I love the because it segues us exactly into somewhere else that I wanted to go, which is we firmly say now without any speculation, you know, I've been saying, oh, I think Joe Martin's uh, doctor was the 14th doctor with her mind wiped. Nope. We know now that she was division doctor and something that's been allegedly erased. So she's back in literally the past of the doctor, as we've seen. So there is a doctor with a police box TARDIS before Hartnell with the police box TARDIS. And explain that I can't because that makes my head hurt. But well, and just to play the game while we're while we're doing it, um, much has been made over the years about the fact that we saw on screen, therefore canon, the first Doctor turn into the second. We saw three okay. turn into four. We saw four turn into five, and so on. We did not see what we call two turn into turn three. Turn into three. Yep. And remember, that so was the, my first thought. Yeah. So there, there is famously a hole there in which there could be innumerable Doctors. Although that gets argued against in um, Time of the Doctor, which is anyway. But if there was a memory wipe in there, it may be that he doesn't know that he's had other lives. Who knows? Right. (laughs) And if the, see, see, I would love that. And you're so brilliant because I would love that because you could still have, if they've given him new regeneration cycle now. Mm-hmm. They could have given him new regeneration cycle then, just to add to. Yep. 
and then you still got Hartnell as the first doctor. That's yeah. what Chimnall should have done, in my because opinion. because yeah because I don't want to to mess with established continuity, but I think it's a lot more fun to try to figure out holes where you can go in and you know uh, make something happen. But in Unearthly Child, the Doctor is puzzled about why the TARDIS hasn't changed into something to blend in with its surroundings when they go to prehistoric Earth. It should have turned into a rock or something. He says, it's still a police box. So apparently that's the first time that happened. Okay. So and let I, me... I never want to mess with that, you know. All right. So let me pose a question because one of the things my brain likes to do is I can't take a question and not have an answer to it. <laughs> yeah. So let me make a speculation, and I want to hear what you guys think about this. So if let's assume that what we have seen is true and that Fugitive Doctor is before Hartnell, is in the past, and that their mind gets wiped. All of that we're assuming to be true. So could it be on a subconscious level that this police box that the Doctor sets the TARDIS is that is subconscious because some of that's bleeding through the need to have a companion is the fact that you led a, a unit at some point with the division bleeding through. How would you guys feel about that? And Clarence, won't you give your opinion? Bleeding through what? You, her, their subconscious. Oh, mm, I mean, that's possible. I mean, again, like, I think the problem here is that we know about the fugitive doctor, but we don't know about the infinite amount of other doctors after or before and between, you know? True. So I, I, I think it's, I mean, we can say that, but how long ago was the fugitive doctor? And hopefully that is something that they at least try to explain or try to fit into canon or um, it's, it's obvious they're doubling down on it, on it from this episode. <laughs> so true. that is true um, that is true so i want to go away from the doctor a bit and i want to talk right now let's talk about vendor and specifically let's talk about the position that he is given with this grand serpent and his response to that and clarence why don't you take it first what did you think about vendor's assignment in this position and what comes after that this is something I, I, I guess I liked, but it felt a little bit too on the nose of maybe Chibnall looking at the news of the time and seeing that people are willing to, to um, oh, what was the situation? I'm totally tripping. Uh, to 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 rat out was it the president at the time. I'm I'm, I'm trying to remember. Hmm. Uh, but we had this big whistleblowing thing in government a few years back. I can't remember the exact situation. I just know it has something to do with the president. And uh, I feel like this is just him seeing that and putting it into a story. Hmm. It, uh, I don't know if it made me like the character any more or less. It was it's just a story. I mean, uh, what what are y'all thoughts on that? Well, really? I I liked that a lot, and I think for the reason that it did resonate with the here and the now that uh, we can imagine ourselves in that situation and. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to happen on the kind of scale that we experienced in um, American politics or, you know, uh, as I'm sure they have in the UK. 
but you know, uh, what do you, what do you do when you know that somebody's doing something that's wrong, and you're the only one who knows, and you're the only really, that makes you the only one who can stop it. It's um, mm. it it's a problem which unfortunately many of us are going to encounter in our real lives. The thing that was really kind of sad, but is often so true, he does report it, but you see what happens to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he is basically punished for Banished. being <laughs> to the banished. Far yeah, of yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, for life. We were I mean, wondering he's how he got that outpost. Now we know. Yes. Yeah. And 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 for all intents and purposes, if you really think about it, he is banished, imprisoned for life. In other words, you've been taken off the table for this is the closest we could get to killing you. Yeah. For for all intents and purposes. And we get the feeling that his commanding officer had to fight for that. Bingo. I, I yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of an example of something like this that that uh, that I know has happened in the real world, but uh, maybe it's not even salient to bring up here, but um but yeah, these things happen, and uh, and they have staggering consequences for people, and uh, it's um, it's no fun. Well, let me just say, and you know, this is maybe too on the nose here, but for the three of us, I think, you know, I know this is a British UK TV program, and we're here in the United States, and for the most part, all of us here, you know, on this show are in the South. That said, when you put grand something at, in front of a bad guy, <laughs> it just gives me this creepy, evil, yeah. disgusting feeling. So I didn't like this guy, even if he was the nicest, great grand serpent that he could have been. That's right. You, it just sickened me, just the name. So I didn't like this guy even before. As soon as they said grand serpent, I was like... Okay, well, well, I'm not going to like you. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very, very close to Grand Dragon, isn't it? That's yeah, about as close to I, I thought we were talking about Grand Admiral Thrawn or something. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> oh, but no. But let's keep on the vendor. Uh, well, here's my thoughts. I like Jace, uh, Jacob Anderson's acting. I think he's a great actor. I am enjoying his character. I am disappointed that my theory that he is a Time Lord in disguise, even <laughs> my thought that he might be the 14th Doctor in disguise, or are mind-wiped or whatever, basically fell apart in this story, so I wasn't happy with that. But as far as his character revelations, I was, you know, cool with, with all that. But I'm curious to know... What you guys, and Lee, I'll ask you first, hmm. what did you think of Bay and her story? Um, yes, the darling Thaddea Graham, who I know from the series uh, The Irregulars. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just I just thought she was terrific. And uh, personally, I think she's the 14th Doctor <gasps> with her memory wiped. But um, that's just because I happen to think she's super cute. So that's yeah, I like her too. we'll call that yeah. the we'll call that the David Tennant defense. <laughs> I don't I don't care. I just thought he was cute. So um yeah. But seriously, um it's a great story. And I love her having a Tamagotchi that she's talking to. Uh, that's um <laughs> which probably dates me and Chris Chibnall too. That you know, we even know what that is. 
it's just a nice expository tool. Um, it gives her a reason to be talking. And, um, and we see how fit and capable she is. And um, don't the Cybermen should know not to, to mess with her. And, uh, and the big reveal of who it is she's, she's out there looking for. Yeah. Uh, just, just delightful. And so there's, there was an instinct in mine of like, oh, we're going to introduce another major character at this point. Come on. But, but yeah. And then the parts of the story that were linear and that we could really follow easily were all about her. So I welcomed yeah. that once we saw what was going on. But anyway, am I talking too much? I haven't talked too much. Never, okay. never. But I'm curious, Clarence, what do you think? Oh boy. Oh boy. While I think I ultimately did think her parts were okay, it there were certain things about it that really irked me. First off, and I know why they did it, they wanted the big reveal that she's connected to Vendor by the end of the episode, but I kind of wish we would have got that earlier, because I still think you could have saved the baby thing and it'd still be another mm. late reveal, but I totally did not care about her at all. Until I got the drop at the end, I'm like, oh, okay, Ooh, okay now, yeah. and I get, and I guess that's what it meant, it's meant to do. But I just found myself in all of her scenes just being like, oh boy, what is, this is cool, but I don't know what it's connected to. It's yeah, <laughs> if anything, and and they they commit an atrocity, which I just what I just kind of shook my head and and lowered it. <laughs> when they, she was asked the question, "Why are you on this mission?" and she says, "Love." <laughs> I did not like that either. No, uh, no neither did I. Uh, 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 what? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say something that's going to sound so freaking cold, but I agree. Awesome actor did her part well. Blah, blah, blah. Really cute. Don't forget really cute. But okay. <laughs> let me say this. I was sitting there going, why are you wasting my time with this person? That's how I felt until. We, until, yeah. right. But I was still sitting there going, why are you waiting, wasting my time with this person? And then I asked that question this way. Why are they wasting their time with this person? Time. The more I thought about this question, and, and, and uh, Clarence, you have a theory that you want me to ask about, but before I go further, does your theory have anything to do with Vendor and Bay? It, it, it does. It's, it's Bell, right? Bell. You say it keeps saying Bell Bay. or whatever her name yeah. is. Yeah, I don't think it has anything. It, no, okay, my good. theory okay. does not. So, so I have a theory that I pray and hope to the Time Lords above and below and wherever they are in time. Um that this does not happen, but I will not be a happy camper on this podcast. If that baby that they are having <laughs> turns out to be the timeless baby that turns into the timeless child, that will just like melt my brain and not in a good way. Yeah. I'm going to call no way though. I, I, I yeah, you know, I, I really hope I'm but, and I only say that because if you would have asked me in 2017 well, when Chibnall was about to take over, that if we would be talking about the timeless child, I would have laughed at you saying, oh, never, never, never. What? But we are. 
But we've established that the timeless child came from a came from another dimension. It wasn't well, that part of the story. Well, that's the, what what Tectaeum assumed. What if the other dimension was the time, whatever, whatever, oh, yeah. on the planet of mm-hmm. time or whatever? Because yeah, she's in a different time stream. Yeah. Well, so well, she was. <laughs> anyway. yeah. Well, she's seeing the results of the flux. So yeah, that's it right. So has she, to be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's 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 Earth Prime or whatever you're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good one. So let me ask this question. Who was the woman that the doctor spoke? Who was she? Yeah. Thoughts? Either? Both? None? I think she's the oracle and she has to make the doctor some cookies before. (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or am I crossing streams again? I have no idea. Oracle, what has happened will happen again. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's really going to mess with your head. <laughs> I, I don't know. And and once again, I thought another mystery. We, Chris, you're really <laughs> doubling down here. <laughs> I I admire the courage, I guess. But gee whiz, maybe she was. Uh, Persephone and Pluto has gone to 7-Eleven for snacks. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, that's the best. That, yeah, that makes as much sense as anything. I don't know, but all I know is she just dismissed the doctor like she was nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. flick of the hand, be right. gone with you. Exactly. And Get she knew about the flux. Yeah. Yeah. She said it had to happen. Well, yeah. And she, because she spoke- of you. Yes, because of you, and she spoke scornfully about this universe. This universe. Yeah. Now, something that's interesting that I don't think has ever been done in Doctor Who is you're setting up these two principles that are, you know, imperative, essential, vital to Doctor Who, time and space as opposing forces, not existing States, yes, which would certainly Thoughts. certainly mess with something that <laughs> is literally named for time and relative dimensions in space. Yeah, but we in most conflict in the most war, people are fighting for space. They're fighting for territory, regions, states, whatever Good continent. Point. Well, you know, yeah. we're fighting for space. Yeah, but the time lords have put their stake in the ground on time. So, and we and we clearly said the fight is against space and time. I just feel like, I mean, my theory was basically that maybe the Time Lords didn't have the ability to time travel until they plugged into creating this Ostropos on this time planet. And in order to enable time travel for them, maybe they had to do something on this planet to activate that, you know, that's kind of where i'm leaning but again that's i'm just <laughs> pulling his straws here yeah but until we get a better theory I, i'd go with that too that that makes a lot of sense to me that if if there's going to be a logic to it to this this woman saying that the doctor this is the doctor's doing or the doctor's fault it seems like it must have something to do with that yes but at this point we're nothing but theory right. and speculation exactly. because there could be a left 
something out of left field, something out of, you know, a home run, something out of the football field. Yes. We don't know. I mean, it could go anywhere at this point, literally, or yeah. any when. We literally don't know. That said, um, that said, let me ask this question. Clarence, I know you had a theory. What was your theory? Well, this kind of what I was just explained is that possibly it is that possibly um, this is how the Time Lords gain the ability to, to time travel is by using the Morai on this temple to somehow activate something to allow them to do so. Yeah. So that that's that's the, the, the grand theory I had, which isn't <laughs> nothing extravagant. But um, yeah, this episode, watching it again, I, I was puzzled. Of course, my first time watching it, but when I watched it again, I just started to try to put a lot of the pieces together. What is the division? What is we know that Cavanista was part of this, supposedly part of this ragtag team that went in here to on this time planet on Astropos. So it's so much stuff tied it together. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're going to get an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fun. Oh yeah. All right, Lee, do you have any type of theories that you want to share before we start to wrap up? (laughs) I really do not. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm enjoying being in it for the ride at this point. So that's, that's fun. I am also, you know, happy to be in for the ride. But before we get to our favorite quote, you know, I want to actually give another one final theory, but this has nothing to do with the story. This has, I mean, you know, story proper, but maybe the meta-ness of the story. And that is, we've all said how great and how much we enjoyed Broadchurch. And we've talked about how we didn't like Chibnall's writing for Doctor Who proper. It's kind of weird that the pandemic forced him to redo this storyline into one single storyline continuation that's similar to how he wrote for Broadchurch. And I'm wondering if you guys are feeling this enjoyment of this continuing story over six parts if you're liking that as opposed to and could he just be playing with his strengths here what do you guys think well i don't think there's any question that this is that what we enjoyed on a broad church was him doing what he does absolutely best which is to tell a, a long story that has uh uh you know rabbit holes and false leads and uh uh, all kinds of uh, unexpected complications. So, yeah, I, I really, I go for the theory that this is just him doing what he does best. And um, and I think that I can imagine the meeting where uh, somebody said, okay, what are you going to do for, <laughs> what are you wanting, what are you going to do for your last season? And he said, well, I'd really like to do a six-part story because that's, honestly, that's what I do. I can, mm-hmm. I can really see it. Uh, I'm not a, I haven't seen all of our church, so I really can't comment too much to that side, but I, I totally agree with what Lee said. It, it just seems like in this element, he's thriving and in, in telling something that, um, is interconnected and leaves us with these cliffhangers, these, these Easter eggs, <laughs> breadcrumbs, um, <laughs> whatever you call them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. I mean, I hope other people that, 
have been watching it is are having as as, as much fun as, as we are dissecting it. Well, you answered my questions and we posed our theories, but that means that we're ready for favorite quote. And I will start this off. My favorite quote is, who the hell are you and what are you doing in my reflection, yeah. says the doctor to herself. Yeah. That's my favorite quote. Lee, favorite quote. I just love the moment of the the doctor uh, showing up at uh, Vendor's you know, private meeting with his commanding officer floating in the air. And she says, don't mind me. I'm trying not to be distracting. <laughs> and she's <laughs> very distracting. I did love that. I still say real quick that there's something more to Vendor than we know because he knows knew what a TARDIS was and he was really the only one to break through, in my opinion, to realize something wasn't right. So just saying. Yeah, why didn't he actually go back to a time when she would have been on the planet? Yep. Yep. Good point. Yep. Yep. This is always a time travel problem on the show, though, you know, when you think about it, is that a lot of times we think, well, why didn't you go back to 10 minutes before? Never mind. (laughs) Just play on. (laughs) And did they get one of those volume screens? Because it, Looks like in some of those scenes, the the falling through time and when they got on Vendor's planet, it looked like they could have been using a volume. Uh, seems like they broke the budget on this episode too. I want to mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, I, that whole it, War of the Santarans I thought was was like the budget of a feature film. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, it made it at least they made it look like it, which I know would be one of the goals. So. You know, hats off. Yeah. All right. Clarence, favorite quote from you? Uh, mine is going to be when Dan was talking to Diane. And, Diane. And she was ask, asking him about marriage. And, um, yeah, she said, uh, you, you, you're not a kid and you're not the ugliest fella in the city. So what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why aren't you married with triplets? He said, it nearly happened once 15 years ago. Lost count now. I was engaged to get married three days before she changed her mind. And she's like, ouch. And they said she'd been thinking about it. Prop- properly couldn't bear spending the rest of her life with me. So she thought she could do better. Oh, God, brutal. And then he says something I love right here. But that's life, isn't it? Nobody gets by without some bruises. Mm-hmm. God, I loved her. When is this? And then he goes into trying to find out what time it was. But, yeah, I like that nobody gets through life without bruises, man. That. That's that stuck with me. That is the truth. Yep. And and given the way we were introduced to him and just sort of his his general attitude, I, I just thought that's that is I feel like now we can say that is so Dan right there. Hey, that's mm. life, isn't it? You know? Yeah. That's just who we But you know what? I, I'm gonna play negative Kyle here. As much as I like Dan and I like Dan. I don't trust Dan because I feel like there is a left field something uh. coming out of. Dan's a good one, man. I, I I think so too, but and and I want to be able to at the end say I was wrong, but but something is just telling me mm. he has he is not the, but he is part of a master plan. I'm just just going to say it. That would break my heart if he. It would <laughs> mine too because I like him. Yeah. But just saying. 
So favorite scene, I will start. My favorite scene was anything with the fugitive doctor. There. Yeah. Favorite Kill Supremes. Yeah. <laughs> favorite scene. And that would be Clarence Brown. Favorite scene. Oh, man. I think I know more that I didn't like than I did. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so pick the oh, one yeah. that you disliked less. Than <laughs> I will say after have, having just watched Eternals and seeing uh, Arisham, and this grand big view and seeing one of the internals just projected in front of Arisham, I did get that same feeling when the doctor was there projected in front of the Morai. So I like that visual there. I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Yeah. Awesome. I like that scene a whole lot too. I, I like that she calls them supersized Morai. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's so, she's so tied to earth, isn't she? Um, yeah. Yeah. But I really, um, I know the Grand Serpent is just exactly that kind of uh, smirking, suave villain that I've been complaining about, but uh, I really enjoyed that portrayal. That's an actor that I know a lot of people in the UK were looking forward to seeing. Uh, and it just Vendor's ethical struggle uh, with what yeah. the Grand Serpent was doing in the moment when it's happening. And I, I, again, you know, kudos to the actor. I just, I just thought I was really rooting for Vendor there throughout. And, um, you know, you know what's going to happen to him. <laughs> we yeah. knew that before we knew anything else. But, um, you know, I, I feel like he's out there for the right reason now. You know, I, I, I like to yeah. think I, I, I would do what he did. And, and let, can I add real quick is, again, like one of the reasons I wish they would have used other actors instead of the cast. Cause, because I lost focus on the content and the meaning, how meaningful those scenes were. Because all the while I'm looking in the background at Yaz, like, what is Yaz doing? Why is he there? You know, or at the table when he's talking directly to his superior officer, like, why, why is Yaz there? What's going on? You know, what's the bigger picture? So it just kind of threw me out of it slightly to yeah. see our characters in those scenes sometimes. Because it would be different. You have a very good point because it would be different if it was just the doctor that was in those scenes. But why have all the others? You know, so you make a very good point. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Lee, did you give your favorite scene? Help me out here. Yeah. Uh, the, the scene with okay. the vendor struggling with whether or not to yes. blow the whistle. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So that means we are on to our final ratings. And I'm just curious. <laughs> and I'm going to go with Clarence Brown because I'm curious as to what your rating's going to be. Yeah, I don't want to be too harsh on it because I got a lot of enjoyment out of just speculating in this episode and ultimately i did like all the things with bell except for the love conquers all thing (laughs) but it just felt disjointed and i would have been more invested if i knew from the beginning she had something to do with vendor so for that reason i'm just going to drop to like a 3.8 3.8 all right die 3.8 what's Yes. Oh, wow, I always forget. 3.8 Tamagotchi baby talker things. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, you, Lee, what's You know they'll you? be selling them again now, thanks to Dr. Yeah. Yeah. And and I couldn't help but think about Smile. I'm serious. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah I about me that too. too. Yeah. I still have my Smile button that we bought at Hulanta. Uh, um, me too. 
I, let's see. I'm going to give it, I'm going to go up to four. I'm going to give it four old swarms. Because that was interesting <laughs> too, wasn't it? Yeah. Huh. When I had just been talking about the various forms of Eldrad in Hand of Fear, and uh, it does look like um, uh, Swarm gets more crystals as he goes along, like Eldrad. So, hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> All right. So, I'm going to give this 4.5 of the word fugitive Hmm. out of five because guess what in case i wasn't clear from the beginning this also featured joe martin as the fugitive doctor so 4.5 fugitives out of five so war doctor not the worst thing in the doctor's past question mark yeah yeah top (laughs) that (laughs) yeah all i know is I like Joe Martin as the doctor. Just saying. Can you, if you haven't figured that out, I like Joe Martin as the doctor. Do you think you can you can put into into words of one syllable for us stupid people what uh, what it is? Because I don't I don't think I get it. Presence. Presence. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, she has a presence. She does. Uh, and yeah. there's just there's just something about her presence as the doctor. I would love to see a series, even an episode with her as the doctor, because I just think, and this is not a dig at Jodie Whittaker, but I just think she is, she, she as an actor demands the room, in my opinion. There's just something about the poise and the presence of her that I, it, it, it just, Makes me interested and want to see more. That's what I like about her. That's very well said. Yeah. Thank you, sir. And we we were just talking last week about um, the investment that an actor has to make into a role and about um, how you 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 must you must command it, you know. And um, and she she does. does. Yeah. And to me, at least in my opinion, when 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 in Fugitive the Jadoon, when she said, "I'm the Doctor," we got it. We said. Yeah. yeah, this is not a pretender. This is not. We're not going to find out. That's that's her funny nickname. Yeah, that's who she is. Because <laughs> I'm not going to argue with her. She said yep. it, and you believed right. it. So that says that we are to the end of this particular review. Our theories. You've heard our thoughts. But what we want to know is for everyone listening: What are your thoughts? Do you agree with our theories? Do you disagree with our theories? Do you have theories of your own? Let us know. We would love. To know what you think, reach out to us on Discord, social media. You know how to find us. Go to our website, discussingwho.com. But for everyone listening, thank you, as Lee said. We appreciate you being here. We're looking forward to part four of this six-part series. And as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. 